0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is Arthur Staple, your faithful Islanders correspondent from The Athletic, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Belmont, the Islanders podcast from The Athletic. We're here on the opening night of the NHL draft for this very odd season and very odd time of year to be holding a draft. We'd usually be talking about the season opener if this were a normal 2021, but normal left a long time ago. So here we are, uh, night one of the draft. It's the first round. The Islanders don't have a pick. Uh, it went to Ottawa in the J.G. Paggio trade. It's number 28, um, so you can... Watch the draft and see who the Senators take or whoever if the Senators decide to move that since they have two other picks in the top five um, and wonder if the Islanders could have benefited from that guy. But it's, that's a silly game to play. Um, they also don't have a second round pick. Also went in the Pajot deal. So uh, I think number 90 is their first pick uh, sometime Wednesday afternoon. Um, we can't really talk about who they might pick because that's a million miles away in draft time. So instead, we're going to break down um, the situation the Islanders are in right now, which as of uh, you hearing this, they haven't really done anything other than extend qualifying offers to their restricted free agents, which is kind of a required part of the process. Maybe a bit of a surprise that they did extend one to Josh Hosang uh, in hopes of retaining his rights or maybe even having him be part of the team going forward. Uh, We'll have to see Where that goes as we get closer to the season, Um, the only restricted free agent that they didn't qualify was uh, Linus Soderstrom, uh, their goalie who was picked in the fourth round back in 2014. Soderstrom did come over to North America last year, got injured uh, as he'd been the previous two years, didn't play a whole lot either in the AHL or in the East Coast League, um, and he's back playing now in Finland. He's he's from Sweden, won a Swedish League title back in 2017. Uh, So he's playing in Finland, no qualifying offer, free agent. I don't assume we're going to see him back in North America for a while. So um, a disappointing uh, situation for him. He was a promising goalie, especially when he carried HV 71 to that uh, SHL title four years ago. Um, I think the Islanders really thought they had uh, a good prospect in him and um, uh, injuries just kind of derailed him from there. So he's still only 24. There's a chance uh, you're, you know... for European guys, especially ones that were drafted, who go overseas for a while, goalie is probably the best position to have a chance to come back. Um, so maybe the NHL will see him again. I doubt the Islanders will, but uh, everyone else got a qualifying offer. Sebastian Aho signed a two-year deal, uh, a two-way deal for this coming season, and one way for the following year. So uh, that may be a little bit uh, more optimistic than people would have thought about Aho, who didn't hasn't really hasn't played an NHL game since Barry Trotz took over after playing twenty-two his, his first pro year. Um, so he's still part of the plan. You know, he's a depth guy and, and a cheap one at that. So, uh, as we're going to get into right now in terms of salary cap and, and contracts that have to be moved and bodies that have to be moved in and out, um, the Islanders need cheap, reliable depth and maybe Sebastian Aho can provide that this coming year. So now we're up to date right now. Uh, thanks to our friends at Cap Friendly. You can, we can even go there yourself, capfriendly.com and check out the Islanders current, Situation, which is they have about $9 million in cap space to work with right now. Um, That's still needing to sign Matthew Barzell, still needing to sign Ryan Pollock, still needing to sign Devon Taves, who are all restricted free agents. They're unrestricted free agents who will go to the market on Friday at noon if they're not signed. Matt Martin, Derek Broussard, Andy Green, Tom Kunockel, and Thomas Grice. Now, I think of those guys, of the unrestricted guys, you can say Thomas Grice is probably. probably to almost certainly head it elsewhere. Ilya Sorokin is signed for next year uh, for $2 million. Semyon Varlamov is still here, uh, signed for three more years at $5 million. and also with a no-trade clause. Um, I think some, some of my colleagues have been hearing that the Islanders have been listening on Varlamov, uh, which... Makes sense because anybody who's making the kind of money he's making with the kind of term he has, especially with all the goalies out there, the Islanders probably could find a cheaper solution to be their 1A or 1B with Sorokin. But it's that no trade clause, I think, that may uh, kind of stop them short a bit since I doubt Varlamov, who just signed last year, will want to be on the move again. Yeah. So, um, you know, no trade clauses, I think, are a much bigger issue this this offseason than uh, in some other offseasons just because of the the need to move money out from some teams. And the Islanders are definitely one of them. So, you know, we've seen a few trades of, of bodies moving out just to clear uh, some cap space with assets. The Rangers made one not long ago and uh, sending Mark Stahl and a second round pick, a 2021 second round pick to the Red Wings uh, just to get Stahl's cap hit off the books. Uh, The Islanders have Johnny Boychuk, a similar situation to Mark Stahl, an aging uh, veteran who's given a lot of good service, but maybe a bit uh, in the way right now. Boychuk, probably mostly because of his salary, he's got uh, two years left at a $6 million cap hit per. Um, The only benefit for for Boychuk uh, and for Lou Lamarillo and possibly moving him is that Boychuk is only owed – five and a quarter million in actual money over the life of the, the remaining of this remainder of this deal. So, um, for teams that are not only looking to maybe eat up some cap space, but also do it without having to pay out a lot of actual cash. And there are teams out there that we've heard of, uh, Arizona is one Buffalo is another that have in, you know, lower internal salary caps than the, the $81.5 million salary cap ceiling that's around the league. Um, those internal caps are more to keep the actual cash down, and so if you can have a guy who can play a little bit, and Johnny Boychuk can still play, um, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a possibility. But I think when you when you look at that stall trade, uh, the Rangers fought hard, I think, with Steve Eiserman in Detroit to not have that be a first round pick that they had to send from New York to Detroit to make sure that to make that move and get the Red Wings to pick up all of Stahl's five point seven million dollar cap hit. So with Boychuk with two years left. Even at that low actual cash number, you'd have to think that teams that Lou Lamarillo is asking uh, are looking for that 2021 first round pick that the Islanders have, which if they were to trade that, would give them no first and no second in this coming draft tonight and tomorrow, and then in next year's draft too. Which is a which is a difficult situation to be in with a flat cap. You need to restock your your pantry at some point. Um, so I think that's probably why we haven't seen anything happen yet because teams. Are asking for that first round pick if they want, you know, if the Islanders want them to pick up, let's say, Johnny Boychuk's contract, maybe Andrew Ladd's contract, which is even more onerous, three years left at five point five million average annual value. He's owed a bit less cash as well. Now, I wrote a whole story last week about, or week before last, about buyouts and whether they made sense. Uh, The buyout window closes on Thursday. So only a couple more days to, for the Islanders to consider buying anybody out, uh, and part of the reason they haven't bought anybody out yet, any of these bad contracts like Boychuk's, like Lad's, um, like Leo Komarov's, let's say, um, is because of bonuses. Uh, Lad's contract is primarily bonuses, which, if you decide to do that, is good for the player, and that was what was a lot. I think that was what was appealing for Lad and what was appealing for Boychuk, but. It's from a buyout calculator standpoint. It kind of skunks the idea that you can uh, you can spread the uh, the rest of the salary out. So the savings isn't uh, isn't big enough. Lad stuffing lad back in the AHL where he was for most of last year. Which if you send a contract down, you save one point oh seven five million off the salary cap. So lads. Uh, savings after a buyout is even less than that per year, and then you tack on three more years of paying out, which you have dead cap space. So, uh, Lad's contract doesn't make sense for that. Boychuk's doesn't make sense for that. Leo Komarov's doesn't make sense for that. Really, uh, it will next year, but less so this year. And even Thomas Hickey's contract, which I believe has a bonus payout this year, doesn't make sense for it. So, those are the four kind of main contracts that they'd like to be rid of, and. They're all still on the books right now, with just a couple of days until unrestricted free agency starts. I've been asked a lot too, and it's certainly discussed every year because it it makes for good reading about offer sheets. And Matthew Barzal is probably the the most skilled restricted free agent on the market who will be on the market. And uh, barring a a real surprise, I don't think he's going to be signed before Friday, which is the unrestricted free agency starts then, and also uh, restricted free agents can can accept offer sheets then. Uh, I, having talked to a few assistant general managers around the league for a story that posted earlier this week about uh, what Barzal and Ryan Pollock and Devon Taves might get in free agency, or or rather on their next contracts as restricted free agents, uh, nobody was really sold on the idea of an offer sheet. You know, Barzal's number would have to be so high that, uh, you know, the the compensation would either be two firsts, a second and a third, or four first round picks. That's over $10.91 million per year on the average annual value. Um, and is he worth that kind of money right now? Mm, probably not. Uh, the teams that have that kind of space are not the teams that you'd maybe want to go to. Um, so unless he really hates it here, uh, I, I, it's hard to see where he's going to break the bank right now, um, in an offer sheet. And really if it's something that's, you know, in the, in the nine million, million, $8 million range, whatever, something like that, it's going to get matched. So, uh, I think the Islanders would, like to keep that a little bit shorter unless they can get him on an eight-year deal in the jack eichel 10 million dollar range um but like we said nine million dollars of cap space and that's so that would be one contract and then you still have a lot of other work to do so right now as we sit here the islanders haven't made any moves yet uh and they clearly need to
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: from some of the people that I talked to, a couple of assistant general managers, a couple of other agents who don't represent him. Three years, maybe around $7 million per, seems like the, the right length bridge deal for him. He'd still be a restricted free agent when that was over with, with arbitration rights. You presume in three years, the world may be closer to back to normal. The NHL will be closer to back to normal. Fans will be in the stands. Revenues will be up. The cap will go up. There's more money to be had. Uh, as far as Pullock and Taves go, the consensus from the people that I talked to with Pullock was he's definitely in a five, five and a half, a half, $6 million per year range, whether that's on a shorter deal or something longer. Um, one one agent who I talked to was very interesting about, uh, you know, Pullock, he'll, he just turned 26 today, I believe. Um, so if he signs now for five years, he'll be 30. When that ends, 31, which is a tough age for a defenseman, you you may be starting to hit the decline a, a bit, and maybe you don't get a big second bite at the apple in terms of free agency. Um, so his recommendation was something along the lines of like three years. So you're 28, you're in more of a sweet spot. Uh, Pollock is the Islanders' number one defenseman right now in terms of minutes and points. Um, so it, it seems like something in that two to three, four-year range just makes more sense for him. And Taves, who's coming off making $700,000, is probably just looking for a big a big score here. Um, and what he considers a big score, if it's something in the $4 million range, then it could be a longer process. Uh, if he's willing to take two and a half or three on a couple of years and kick that down the road a bit, I think that's the Islanders would be happy with that. Now, uh, this week is more about unrestricted free agency, even though those guys are probably the most high-profile needs to sign for the Islanders. Uh, and as far as their own guys, you know, I've talked to agents for a few of these Islanders UFAs. Um, Andy Green's agent, who is a former Islander draft pick, Dan Plant. I'm sure a lot of fans out there remember him from the early 90s. Um, his, I think, claimed Islander fame was that the Islanders scored three goals when they got swept by the Rangers in, 19, in the first round of 1994. And Dan Plant scored one of those three goals. That was his rookie year. So that was, uh, it was fun looking that up and having a quick chat with him about that. But he said uh, Andy Green is was really excited about his time with the Islanders after the trade in February. Um, still taking some time to figure out what he wants to do. See, uh, you know if there's, you know if he wants to uproot his family that have been planted in Jersey for a long time. He's got young kids who have only known living on the East Coast. So maybe that factors into him wanting to take a, you know, a, a bonus heavy deal since he's over thirty five. And again, the Islanders, you know, the the Boychuk situation on D, they really have to move a body out too before they can start to think about adding adding Andy Green. You know, Noah Dobson is there. He needs to play more next season. So whether it's Boychuk or whether it's Nick Letty, who's been a guy that we've talked about a lot about possibly being traded, um, you know, they have to make room first, I think, before they can think about adding Andy Green, even though that wouldn't be a big salary. Um, Talked a bit with Matt Martin's agent. Um, you know, I think they feel like the, the Islanders want him back. And of course the mayor of Long Island probably wants to still be here. So, um, I think, you know, if he's willing to take something less than the 2.5 AAV that, uh, of the contract he's coming off, one that Lou Lamarillo signed him to in Toronto. Um, then I think they probably have a, a good path to a deal there, but, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see when Friday comes, if Matt Martin has a lot of interest, five goals in that playoff run. I think maybe open some eyes around the league, you know, the Islanders have always known how valuable he is uh on that fourth line with Casey Zizekas and Cal Clutterbuck, but his ability to to be in the right place at the right time and kind of use his his skills uh to their maximum. Uh, maybe that maybe there's another team or a couple other teams out there that think that guy can add something for us uh even if he's not with his usual two line mates. So That will be an interesting one, and we'll see uh, if he gets to Friday, and if uh, he circles back around to the Islanders, or if there's a a number that blows his socks off, and he says, you know, got to take it. Um, I don't know that it's going to be the Rangers. I'm sure his father-in-law would love that, but uh, the Rangers have lots of cap issues right now, and and, uh, even having the number one overall pick and getting younger and cheaper, they're going to need depth guys, but – I wonder if if Matt Martin plays the style that the Rangers want to be playing you know with a lot of their other guys could fit and I think that would be a i think Matt martin would take uh, not having to uproot his new his new fan you know his wife and his new baby uh from Long Island he would be certainly happy with that so uh Friday could be interesting for him as well. Uh, there's been some conversations, I think, between the Islanders and Derek Broussard about a return, probably something, again, along the lines of his $1.2 million that he made last year on a prove-it deal. Um, my personal feeling is Broussard is a, is a good guy and a, and a great asset to have that maybe with all these guys getting bought out, not getting qualifying offers, um, people being offered around in trades, they could probably get a, be- a bigger upgrade in their bottom six than with Broussard, um, who's not really a natural winger but, uh, but had some good – games with Jean-Gabriel Paggio in the middle um, but if there's a fit there and it's cheap uh, you know, Lou Lamarillo likes continuity so I, I imagine that uh, if he enjoyed having Broussard here that maybe there's a way to make that work I still think, uh, I still think he may end up elsewhere when Friday comes and I think Tom Kunako recovering from sh- shoulder surgery is probably not someone who we're going to see back and obviously we mentioned Thomas Grice um, almost certainly headed elsewhere you ready? Showtime. All right, so we've talked about the Islanders' RFAs and the Islanders' pending UFAs. Now let's talk about the rest of the world's UFAs, and there seems to be more and more of them by the day as we find out about buyouts and uh, decent NHLers not getting qualifying offers. Um, so you know, discussing any any ads from additions from outside the team has to be predicated on the Islanders have to move money because, as we've discussed already in the first couple of segments, and we've written time and time again they don't even have enough cap space right now for their own restricted free agents, much less anybody else. So, uh, well, whatever discussions we're talking about here are all in the hypothetical range, um, of whether they're interested or whether, you know, any agent that I talk to who's got a decent free agent says, you know, when I ask say, well, do they have the space? And I'm like, they don't right now, but I guess things can change. And the problem with that is once you get Friday to Saturday, uh, the big names and the good players tend to go quickly. So we'll just throw out a few names here. We'll start at the top. Taylor Hall, uh his agent has seemingly made it clear to our uh Pierre Lebron and various other national writers that uh he's willing to talk short term. Um I'm sure the money is pretty big if he's going willing to go short term, but if he's a guy who's pretty young uh and has bet on himself a couple of times uh, after these trades that have sent him from Edmonton to Jersey and Jersey to Arizona. So uh he seems to be patient and maybe the Islanders can get in there and make a pitch um you know w- would two years at 8 million be enough to get him to come to the island and, and be on a line with his uh, with one of his old friends and Jordan Eberle um you know i've i've heard since the beginning since the middle of last se- this past season that uh, edmonton was going to make a big push and try to bring him back home um We'll see what they what they have to, to shop with as well. But um, if the Islanders can somehow make it work, and clearly it's going to be a lot of work to make it work, but if they can somehow do it, why wouldn't you try to go get Taylor Hall? That would be the one guy you could bring in from outside where you'd say, we don't really need to do anything else. You can, you can slot some different guys around. Maybe you end up with a Hall-Barzal-Eberle top line Uh, a more veteran checking second line or or two-way second line with Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Josh Bailey. You put Anthony Beauvillier with Jean-Gabriel Pajot on a third line that, uh, who knows, can be on the right side there. I think the situation with Hall means that you may end up not having the best fourth line in hockey anymore. Maybe there's not enough room for Matt Martin. Maybe you have to start to think about going younger and cheaper down uh, in the bottom six in certain spots. Maybe that means Oliver Wallstrom can find a spot on this team, maybe Otto Koivula can find a spot on this team. But if you're laying out two times eight to to Taylor Hall, or maybe even more, if you have to get into a bidding war, then yeah, some some players that you like are not going to be able to, to fit in right now. But it sure would be fun to see Taylor Hall uh, in an Islander uniform and uh, and really give them that, that scoring punch and that playmaking ability. Power play would be better. Um, there's a lot that could change if Taylor Hall were to say yes to a, to a deal with the Islanders. So we'll have to see what, what the weekend brings. Even, uh, you know, looking further down, um, you know, you wonder, it's obviously a different administration, but, uh, does Michael Grabner have a chance to get a, uh, approve it deal? You know, he's 32 now and he was just bought out by Arizona with a year left on his deal. Uh, if he's looking for a million bucks or even less, um, a guy with speed, a guy who kills penalties. He had the unfortunate uh, eye injury. Uh, we don't know how well he's feeling after that, but he did, get, he did play after that in the playoffs and had a couple goals for Arizona. So, you know, he contributes when, uh, when called upon. Um, and I think he certainly at his age understands what the role would be. So the Islanders wouldn't be getting younger by adding Michael Grabner, but they would be getting faster. And that, you know, they have some better speed now in the bottom six with Pajot. If you're not if you're not interested in bringing Matt Martin back, which like I said, I think they very much are uh, a fourth line of Grabner, Szekis, and Clutterbuck. You know, Grabner and Szekis it goes back a long way, but I think in the 2013 shortened season they were a pretty fearsome duo and, and played a lot together in the playoffs. So I'd be interested to see if that were something the Islanders were interested in. Like I said, new regime that maybe doesn't view Grabner with uh, the rose colored lenses that everybody else does, but um, but I'd be interested. Um, what he could bring. And I wouldn't be surprised also if the Rangers revisited bringing him back because he really produced very well for them in his short time there. Um, another guy that uh, is probably is going to be out there, um, someone who's a bit more of a reclamation project after a couple of trades, much like Broussard, but younger and a little bit higher profiles, Alex Galchenyuk. Um, you know, Minnesota brought him in in the Jason Zucker trade. He was okay after he left Pittsburgh. He was not good in Pittsburgh, again, like Derek Broussard. And I think that was his fourth team in two years after the one time 30 goal scorer with the Canadians. And he's a guy who needs to kind of rehabilitate his NHL image at at age twenty-seven. Um, so I'd be curious to see if they don't swing big. Um maybe they swing a little smaller, and that's a guy who can who can play on a third line with Pajot. Um, I don't think he's the most diligent checker, but he's a guy who certainly uncorks a shot on the power play and and uh that's something the Islanders definitely need, and if he's a guy who can play in that top nine regularly, then it might be worth a shot. You know, I think if we're looking at a scenario where they've moved a lot of bodies out, maybe they've traded Boychuk along with a with an asset to move his salary out. Maybe they've even traded Nick Letty to move his salary out. Then you need to add a defenseman in addition to bringing Andy Green in. You probably need another guy, whether. Um. You know, you're down to six NHLD at that point. Thomas Hickey, unless they move him as well, would be your seventh. Sebastian Aho is obviously on the depth chart. Grant Hutton is on the depth chart, but you'd probably need a veteran NHL defenseman. There's a few guys like that out there. You know, I think Nathan Beaulieu in Winnipeg, who's a lefty, has some skill. Not the biggest guy, but uh, do they need more big guys? Uh, it's hard to know. I, you know the the style the Islanders have played. For these last couple of years, and certainly the way that they played in the postseason, they were they were a, a a high-powered offense for a lot of those series, at least until they got to Tampa. But uh the way that they generate their offense obviously is is transition and turnovers and and structure and um how you identify those guys on other teams that don't play the same style that you play is very interesting to me. And and uh so I wonder if they'd be so willing to, you know. You obviously have to cut salary, but would they cut every salary that they could possibly find and then have to bring extra bodies back in? Um, it's uh, it's a unique situation. So I think as far as forwards go, like we said, they're pretty set down the middle. I wonder if they're really looking to change things up, and if you're really looking to add. Um, and Matt Martin doesn't end up coming back. Do they explore the possibility of trading Casey Sezikas, who's got? A year left on his deal at three point three five. Um, he's coming off surgery for a detached retina. He is as heart and soul of the Islanders, and as, you know he's been their identity for a long, long time. Even bridging the the two regimes of Gar Snow and and now Lou Lamarillo, he's very essential to what they do. But can you afford to have, you know, if Matt Martin comes back at a million and a half, or maybe even a million seven to five, then you've got, you know, you've still got eight and a half and change tied up in your fourth line. Um, can you justify that when your third line has already got someone in the middle and Pajo that's pretty well paid and Leo Komarov may still be around. So there are a lot of decisions they have to make in these next few days. And so far it's been quiet. It could, it could, uh, explode very quickly. Um, maybe not tonight during the draft. I don't think the, uh, Islanders are going to get in on getting back into the first round. I don't think they're in that mode right now, but, uh, there's a lot for them to consider about all these bodies that are moving around in other places. Um, you know, ha- Will they have to give up a major asset like that first round pick next year to get some of these contracts off or at least one of them? Can they be a player in free agency starting on Friday? Do they have to guard against an offer sheet or or someone trying to poach one of their own players? Well, you know, I think the main part of this roster is pretty well set from from last season and continuity like I said is important to the GM and to the coach, but you can't stay exactly the same. There have to be some changes. So, uh, I'm curious to see what they come up with and what sort of timeline cuz Cause, cause the clock is definitely ticking. So, that's all we got for uh for today. Um but uh we'll be back again next week after hopefully some interesting moves, free agencies coming up. Uh And we'll see what the Islanders uh, and Lou Lamarillo have determined. We could see a couple of guys that people have been fan favorites of for a long time moving out. Maybe we'll see one or two surprises coming in. So thanks, everybody, for listening. This is No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. We'll catch you again next week.